0: It's TechBiter Worldwide for the week of July eighth, two thousand seven. I'm Bill Blynn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour, because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. You know, any company with the motto we will never wear suits is the kind of company that appeals to me. Alien Skin Software is a company like that. The company makes plugins for Photoshop and for other applications that accept Photoshop plugins. And that is just about any image editing program these days. Alien Skin software plugins are known for versatility and for imagination. The latest offering from Alien Skin is called SnapArt, and a copy sailed onto my hard drive this week. For the test drive, I decided to use a copy of a photo of Tangerine, one of our cats, an orange cat found a picture of him singing the Star-Spangled Banner. He was on the last line, belting out that final line. So what I started with was essentially an ordinary photo of a singing cat. Now, each of the SnapArt filters has a default setting, but each also comes with a lot of presets, dozens in some cases. And each of those also allows you to modify the settings and save the results as additional presets. In the testing, you'll see on the TechBinder Worldwide website, www.techbinder.com, use, in most cases, just the default setting. So I started with one in honor of Roy Lichtenstein. He's the fellow who created brushstrokes in flight that's out at the airport. It's a comic book effect. So we have a comic book cat made up of large CMYK dots. I hesitated a bit there. Cyan, magenta, yellow, and black, or actually the K at the end is key, but that's a printing nicety we need not get into here. So the effect of a comic book cat isn't particularly good for the image. The reason for that, cats are furry, except for the breed that's hairless, and fur has a lot of fine detail. Comic books don't have a lot of fine detail, so all of that detail is lost with this effect. Well, the next one I tried was tangerine as a watercolor study. There are times that I wish TechBiter Worldwide was a TV program. This is one of those times. It would be very nice to be able to show you what I'm talking about. It's very difficult to describe a watercolor of a singing cat, after all. But I found out many years ago that I have a radio face. Next, I tried a pen and ink drawing. Now, this is where it starts to get really interesting. Because the pen and ink drawing has a lot of fine detail. No color, but a lot of fine detail. So what would happen if I took the pen and ink layer, stuck it in the background, put the watercolor layer in the foreground, and then played around with the transparency? You'll see that effect on the website, and I rather like that one. Final test, although certainly not the last of the filters, was going to be a stylized approach. Stylized tends to give you the impression of a cat more than the illustration of a cat. But I started looking at the pen and ink drawing again and then looking back at the stylized version and wondering what would happen if I did the same thing I had done with the watercolor effect. Well, again, you get some additional detail that's really kind of appealing. Now, the danger of applications such as SnapArt is that They're really so easy to use that they get used inappropriately. You probably remember the page curl effect. Uh, That effect was not, as far as I know, one of alien skins. But you'll recall how common it was, how prominent. You found it on just about every website. Everybody had to apply page curl to an image, not because it improved the image, not because it added anything to the meaning of the image, simply because they could do it with a couple of clicks and it looked cool. A lot of designers feel this way about page curl. You have the option of using it once in your lifetime. No more. Well, not every image deserves to be converted to an electronic version of something by one of the great masters. But if you have a reason to use an effect like this, you're going to be glad that you have SnapArt in your toolkit. Here's what Alien Skin says about how the filters work. Conventional artists often use an underdrawing to outline key objects within a composition. This lightly drawn sketch serves as a guide and is usually painted or drawn over in the final composition. Similarly, SnapArt uses edge detection to discern the objects, edges, lines, and shapes of the original image. Then, using this outline, an advanced paint engine strokes and fills the outline using brushes and colors you specify. This allows realistic reproduction of detail, but balances that realism with the convincing artistry. Well it's a pretty good description. Using the filters is straightforward. You'll see an example on the TechWriter Worldwide website. You load the image, and you select the filter that you want to use from a drop-down menu. At that point, you can either use the defaults, or you can select one of the other presets from a list, or you can use tabbed dialog boxes across the top to change individual settings. The example that I use to show this process is pointillism. I tried one of the other presets that provided more detail using smaller brush strokes. That worked a little better, I thought, for the cat. Again, since cats are fuzzy, there's a lot of detail in there. You don't want to lose that detail. Each time you make a change, it redraws the preview pane. Then I moved on to change some of the other settings, making the brush size even smaller, increasing the paint coverage, and specifying a rough weave canvas for the surface of the painting. I have to say that it's pretty unlikely that my work will ever be mistaken for that of George Pierre Surratt. But the cat seemed to like it, and I would give Alien Skin Snap Art five cats. Overall, it's way more fun than a barrel of rutabagas, and a lot easier to use, too. Alien Skin has a long history of turning out products that are useful and fun. That record continues with SnapArt. It's a $150 application, could be a real winner for professional photographers and serious amateurs. Do you use instant messaging? It may depend on how old you are. Email is the IM for old folks. Now, I've heard that from youngsters who mistakenly believe that they invented typing without pressing the shift key, and that they also invented short-speak writing. Well, sorry. United Press International's bureau staffers were legendary for their abbreviations in bureau-to-bureau communications. Before them, there were amateur radio operators. Earlier still, there were telegraphers and their special codes. And then, of course, there's always variety. Well, no matter who invented what first, instant messaging has certain advantages. An IM can often get through when a person is on the phone or otherwise occupied, and it comes in a step or two above email on the urgency scale. Because you already have a connection open the instant you send an instant message, they're very quick and easy to reply to. The hardest part may be deciding which IM application to use. You may want to take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website this week because I have some examples of how short speak, abbreviations, and all that stuff were used by United Press International, by amateur radio operators, and even by variety. You can say a lot with just a few words, but if you're looking for an application to use for instant messaging on Windows machines, you've got a couple of choices that are really pretty good. There's Pigeon and there's Trillion. Pigeon was formerly called Game, G A I M. The name was changed after AOL made menacing legal noises. And then Trillion. Both are free, but Trillion is also available in a paid version that adds a few additional features. I take a look at them side by side, and to do that I had two accounts open, so I was talking to myself. That's hardly unusual. One of the things I like about Trillian is the smileys. There are a lot of them included, and some of them even include sound. They're kind of fun. If you send a message with a Trillian smiley to any other IM client, though, what you get on the other end is just the text representation. Now, Pigeon provides a lot of information about the user if you just hover the mouse over the user's screen name. Trillian gives you less information initially, but you can get more information by choosing the Get Information option. Both Pigeon and Trillion offer plugins, but Trillion's free version is limited to using just the plugins that came with the application. Pigeon, on the other hand, comes with a large variety of plugins. For example, it uses the GTK Plus plugin to control typefaces and other visual parts of the user interface. However, that's not as robust as Trillion's skins. The skins are available for any version, free or paid. If you are an IM user and you use more than just AIM, you may want to look at Pigeon. Pigeon is the clear winner offering 15 instant messenger services. Trillion, on the other hand, offers only the big three. The big three are AOL, ICQ, and MSN. Either of these applications is a pretty good choice. Either will work and work well for you. If you prefer style and all the amusing extras, well, then Trillion is probably the choice you want to look at. If you taste it more toward basic messaging or you need more than just the big three, then Pigeon is the better selection. Either way, they're free. You can download both, install both. They don't get in each other's way. So both of them get four cat ratings, but for slightly different reasons. Of the two applications, Trillion certainly has the more attractive interface, and the extra sound-enhanced smileys make the application a lot of fun to use. And if you don't need access to more than the big three, this is the one to go with. On the other hand, the rewrite of Game, as it has become Pigeon, has resolved most of the problems that caused the earlier version to crash fairly frequently. The wide variety of IM services supported by Pigeon give it an advantage for those who need to communicate across many platforms, but it does lack some of Trillian's polish. I've been working with Adobe's Creative Suite 3, the latest version of this increasingly sophisticated collection of applications. It's designed to work across many platforms, from the Internet's web to web presses. And With the acquisition of Macromedia, Adobe has strengthened its product line, That acquisition added Dreamweaver, Fireworks, and Flash. Long-time users of Adobe's Go Live will probably be disappointed that further development of that product seems to have halted. Likewise, for users of Macromedia's vector-based design application, Freehand. The older applications are still being offered for sale, along with other applications that have been essentially frozen in time. CS3 is far too large to examine in a single edition of TechBiter Worldwide, even if we went on for several hours and bored everyone to tears. So this time I'm going to take a look at just two of the applications, Acrobat and Bridge. Adobe Bridge is the kind of application that once you have seen it in action, you wonder how you ever managed to live without it. Bridge is included in all of the CS3 suites, and it works equally well with all of the applications. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, I show Adobe Bridge with Photoshop. It's used most frequently with Photoshop, and many people think it's a Photoshop edition, but it's not. It goes far beyond that. For example, you open Bridge, navigate to a directory, and you'll see small thumbnail images and a medium-sized preview. That's the default view. Bridge provides a lot of information about the image but you may want thumbnails that are larger than the ones shown. Well, that's easy. There's a slider at the bottom of the screen. Grab that, slide it to the right, and the thumbnails are instantly resized. Now, if you're comparing two or three different images and trying to decide which one you want to use, it's very easy to tell the difference. Or you can choose an interface with a film strip across the bottom of the page. One of the new features in Bridge CS3 is called Device Central. This allows you to preview images, animations, and other content that you're developing for mobile devices so that you can test and optimize the design. Mobile devices have small screens, and regardless of which service you're using, they're still slow. You can also set color preference in Bridge for more consistent color throughout various projects. A single change affects color settings in Photoshop, CS3, Illustrator, InDesign, and Acrobat. Version Q works from inside Bridge. This allows you to manipulate files within work teams. So if you've got multiple people working on a file, this is a good way to avoid what would be called a file collision, two people working on the same file at the same time. One of them saves changes. The next one comes back and saves another change, and now the first person's changes are gone. Q allows you to eliminate that problem. Moving along to Acrobat, Acrobat is in many ways the key to nearly everything Adobe does. Acrobat files can be used to share information while maintaining the proper format. They can be used inside a single business. They can be sent via email. PDF documents are commonly used in both print and the make-ready process for print. You'll find them on websites. PDF versions of instruction manuals are available frequently online for those who use the manuals that came with their camera recorder phone or some other device and there are five versions of acrobat this time around that's one way to confuse everybody in adobe pro you can combine multiple files into a single searchable sortable pdf package this is something that will maintain individual security settings and digital signatures of each of the included pdf documents security is becoming increasingly important Acrobat Pro also allows you to permanently remove metadata, hidden layers, and other concealed information that might be in the file, things that you don't want to send out of your shop. You can permanently delete sensitive text, illustrations, or other content. Moving down a step, there's Adobe Acrobat Standard. This allows users to save a PDF as Microsoft Word document, retaining most of the layout, fonts, formatting, and tables. It's not perfect, but it does a pretty good job. It is tremendously helpful when you receive a PDF document that you have to incorporate into some other document or you need to use on a website. Besides being able to save the information as a Microsoft Word document, you can also save it as a text document. and In many cases, that's all you need, the text. You don't need the formatting. And that works almost flawlessly. Moving up a couple of steps, there is Acrobat 3D, the high-end product that makes it possible to convert virtually any CAD file computer-assisted drawing, into a 3D PDF, which means that architects and designers can now protect their intellectual property. This allows them to keep those CAD files in-house and release only PDF versions. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll find a chart provided by Adobe that shows how the various Acrobat applications fit together, from the low-end reader, which is just a reader, up through Elements, Adobe Acrobat, Standard, Pro, and 3D. Bridge and Acrobat both receive a solid 5 cats. Two key components of CS3 are Bridge, which is included in all variants of the CS3 packages, and Acrobat, which is included in almost all of them. Bridge is the glue that holds together the, ap- the other applications, provides a remarkable level of interoperability. Acrobat builds on the application's previous strengths by adding new capabilities and improved functionality. In nerdly news, you've known this was coming for a while, but all of MP3 is finally dead. The Russian government has finally shut all of MP3 down. That's the music downloading service that claimed to be operating under Russian broadcasting rules. The recording industry has been calling for its abolition for years. So, now it's closed. All of MP3 allowed users to download music on a bulk basis, two cents per megabyte in some cases. So, an entire CD's worth of music might cost two bucks or five bucks. If you had money in an account at all of MP3, it's not gone, but you do need to act fast. And you can't add any new funds to your account. Visa and MasterCard both stopped processing payments when the government shut down the site. The site has an estimated 6 million users. All of MP3 claimed to pay 15% of its revenues to the Russian Multimedia and Internet Society. But recording companies say they never received any money from that group. It actually took blackmail by the world community to bring the site down, though. The World Trade Organization suggested that it might consider admitting Russia to that club, but only if it killed the music service. So it finally did. And what you can do if you have money in all of MP3, they have a downloadable interface that is Windows only that will allow you to continue downloading until you exhaust whatever balance was there. Here's kind of a surprise. Dell has put the brakes on Vista. Dell was one of the leaders of the Vista parade, but it's now warning businesses that there are challenges involved in implementing the new operating system company-wide. Challenges. Well, that's something IT professionals already knew about, and it's why some companies are still operating on Windows 2000 machines. Vista offers a lot of real advantages, particularly in terms of security and it's also an excellent choice for those who work with graphics. The interface of the new operating system is attractive, and it's also utilitarian. But the differences between Vista and earlier operating systems are going to slow users down until they get the hang of things. No way around that. Microsoft passed 40 million units sold, but most of the buyers have been home users. Dell says there are advantages to migrating to Vista, But companies have to be aware of the dangers, too. That's the new message from Dell. That includes the migration of applications. Those who use applications from top-tier vendors won't have a problem. But most of us do use applications from smaller Tier 2 or Tier 3 vendors. And a lot of shops have their own homemade applications. Companies need to allow time for testing and certifying those applications with Vista. So some companies are waiting for the first service pack to be introduced before upgrading. That may not be a good choice, because the first service pack is unlikely to be out before mid-2008 at the earliest. Now, those who think that they should do this are probably stuck in the past. Windows 95 was a major departure from what had been seen before, and it did take a couple of service packs before it became at all reliable. Windows 98 wasn't as big a step, but it wasn't still really stable until the second edition version. Windows 2000, relatively stable from the beginning. Windows XP, also pretty stable from the first release, although there have been service packs to fix problems. My opinion, Vista was very late to market. That's because Microsoft spent more time testing it than has ever been spent before testing any operating system. The only question in my mind for home users... Is whether to upgrade an existing machine. You're going to find that challenging. Or to wait until you buy a new machine and choose Vista. That's pretty easy. Before you choose either course, though, research what's new in Vista and be sure that you and your applications and your computer are ready. Oh, yeah, and by the way, Apple's iPhone went on sale this week. Maybe now the techno babblers can talk about something else. The iPhone is cool, but it's just a phone and an organizer and a music player. Okay, I don't have one. I don't want one. It's a tiny box filled with lots of things that can wear out, break, or go bad. The iPhone is a first-generation device. It ties users to AT&T, but this week it sure generated a lot of buzz. There were sites, actually several of them, by people who bought an iPhone and took it apart to see what's inside. Why would you buy a $600 device and take it apart? Well, maybe they wanted to invest in the companies that make the parts. And there were the sites, mostly from PC-specific publishers, who put out articles such as, Ten Reasons the iPhone Sucks. Those were undoubtedly filled with rational thoughts and well-reasoned arguments. And then if you want to chuckle, There were the whines from people who stood in line for 18 hours, bought a bunch of iPhones, and then discovered they could not peddle them on eBay for inflated prices. One's heart simply bleeds. Apple was posting messages on Craigslist and other sites reminding people that iPhones were in stock at reasonable prices at their local Apple store. So if you want one, maybe you can find one half price on eBay. Thanks for listening. This has been TechBiter Worldwide for the week of July 8, 2007. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter, T-E-C-H-B-Y-T-E-R. Didn't I say I'd stop spelling that, .com. You can also send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.